work together, and hopefully things will blossom here through that process. Um, the church is also coming back next year for a short-term mission trip, um, and the pastor said, um, he said, Joe, I want to make sure that we partner with you guys in a deeper way. He's, he said, we're going to talk to our board and they're going to figure out what that means. They don't know what that means for them right now, but they're all kind of saying that they want to be partners with us going forward. So just pray about that. We're not sure what that's going to look like. Uh, but right now, what we do know is that they're praying for us every day, which is an amazing thing. And, and, and when you know somebody's praying for you, and they're lifting you up like that, it just invigorates you. It invigorates me. I'm excited to see what God's going to do through um, their partnership with us. We're looking at Joshua. Now, with our, with our reading, we're kind of going through, and every week we kind of get through a chapter, and we're kind of doing an overview here from the pulpit. But God has laid on my heart some things here in Joshua. So over the next couple weeks, we're going to dig into Joshua a little more. So with your reading, I want you to continue to read forward, because the preaching will catch up to the reading. But there's some things here that, that I really want to focus on. And two weeks ago... I talked about uh, going deeper in relationships. And then last week, Jeff kind of gave uh, basically an overview of redemption in, in, uh, in Joshua. So today we're going to look at chapter 1 here. And I want to start off with a statement that we don't automatically relate to one another. It's not a natural, automatic thing. And I want to give you a story that I'm going to read here that was in an article um, and the story goes like this. Dr. Jim Dobson of Focus on the Family tells a tragic story of a lecture he gave at a small seminary. And among the student body, there were those who suffered with self-esteem problems. One man was brave enough to write him a note anonymously. Dr. Dobson read the note, and the next day the boy stood before him with tears in his eyes saying, I wrote the note. Now the story doesn't end there. Sitting in the audience was another student with the same kind of problem. He did not write Dr. Dobson a letter. He never identified himself in any way. But three weeks after Dr. Dobson left the school, the boy hanged himself in the basement of his apartment. One of his four roommates called him, called Dr. Dobson, to inform him of the tragedy. And he stated deeply shaken that the dead student's roommates were so unaware of his problem that the boy hanged there for five days before anyone missed him. See, you don't know and I don't know the impact relating with someone can make until we reach out, until we risk reaching out. See, there might be a person sitting here, sitting next to you, that's secure. And, and they're, they're moving through life stably right now. Or they may be going through the biggest valley of their lives. Through the toughest valley. And we'll never know what stopping and reaching out can do for them unless we risk, unless we risk relating. See, it's easy for us to live in this dream world here at, at Valley Alliance that, that all we need to do is fill some seats. And this passage here that we're looking at, Joshua, shows us that there's something more important. Something more important. Growing deeper is more important. And two weeks ago, I shared three crucial issues. And I'm going to go over these issues with you again here to kind of refresh your memory. 
Um, and these issues aren't easy for me. I mean, by nature, I'm, I'm, I'm a, shell, a self-assured person and I'm an independent person. And being vulnerable and open and relating with people is not the easiest thing for me. But, but it's something that I must do. I need to do it. See, because there's things that other people have to offer me and, and there may be things that I have to offer other people. So the three crucial issues, and here they are. The unhealthy consequences of isolationism. See, and I, I think I would change that word unhealthy to destructive because being isolated is destructive. And most of the, the most confused people in the world today are people who are alone and isolated. The second uh, issue is the essential benefits of relationships. And this is what we're learning. We're learning and what we're going to learn through Joshua here is the essential benefits of of relationships, the value of being with one another, relating to, working with, reaching out, caring for, and loving each other. Issue number three, we're also learning the absolute necessity of assimilation. Okay, so now that's a new word, assimilation. I, I, I've, I've given you last week a definition from Webster's Dictionary that talked about assimilation, and it said assimilation has to do with um, the human body or, or an animal body um, taking nutrients and absorbing it into their system. It also has to do with plants and organisms absorbing nutrients in through their roots. But what in the world does that have to do with the church? Well, the key word there is absorption. And I want you to kind of just mull that word around assimilation in your head for a second. I want to talk a little bit, real briefly, about us as a mobile society. A mobile society. See, here in America, we're a society of privacy fences. You know, we put up these fences to keep our neighbors out. And we're people of texting and IMing, you know, because, because we don't want to spend time with other people. And I am so guilty of that. I'll pick up my phone and text, no problem. Because it takes a lot longer to pick up the phone and actually have a conversation with someone. And I'm so guilty of that. It's, it's something that, that even in our churches that we've, we've come... And, and, and on Sunday mornings, we are a body of, of individuals who are kind of clanging together on Sunday morning. Independent bodies. And we have a mindset of, what can I get out of this instead of, how can I relate? So what is assimilation? What do I mean when I say, we must assimilate the congregation? Well, the simple, simple answer is to think of a sponge with a little drop of water. Okay, but here's a definition for the church. And it's in your bulletin. It says, assimilation has to do with absorbing, it, uh, uh, being absorbed into the body of Christ as a participant. Underline that. As a participant. Underline participant. To relate to, work with, and care for others we know and love. That's assimilation. Being absorbed by the body of Christ as a participant and relating to working together and loving one another. Having a sense of oneness. Uh, it's breaking down the spectatorism. You know what a spectator is. A spectator is someone who goes to a show and they watch. It's breaking down that spectatorism into small, meaningful groups of people who are relating to each other. And by doing that, we generate fellowship. And we generate caring for each other. 
And you may not know this, but we're starting basic groups, small groups. Basic is what we're calling them. Well, why are we calling them basic groups? Two reasons. Basic is an acronym. Brothers and Sisters in Christ. Basic. The second reason is because basic, small groups are the basic foundation of the Christian life. Relating to each other in depth in a small group. You can really live life together. It's the basis of our Christian faith, is, is relating to one another. Sunday service is not the basis of our Christian faith. It's a time when we can come together and we can worship, but it's a celebration for all the ministering we do during the week. And when I say ministering, I'm not just talking about the pastor ministering to other people. I'm talking about ministering to each other because you minister to me as well. I need you guys in my life. Basic group. Now, with Joshua, we're looking at the ancient Hebrews and we're seeing how their story relates to our church. There's similarities. So, here we are in Joshua and what's happened so far is the exodus is over. They've, they've, they've left Egypt. They're free from slavery. They've gone to the Red Sea. They had the miracle of the Red Sea parting and going through it. And God brought them through all of that and used Moses. God worked through Moses in, in great miracles and brought them to the border of the Promised Land. So here's Joshua at the promised land, and God says, send out spies. He sends out 12 spies. Ten come back and say, no, we can't. Two come back and say, yes, we can. We can take this land. God is with us. The people listen to the majority. The majority rules until God steps in and says, that's enough. That's enough. And then, believe it or not, he wipes out that entire generation. That older generation, 21 and up, gets, gets wiped out. And 40 years later, Joshua's the new leader. Moses is gone. And he's leading the next generation in to the promised land. It's a whole new group of people. And there's a big difference this time. See, in the past, when they left the Exodus, the Exodus, all the people came out, they were divided. Now they're one. They're moving forward together to take the promised land. Look at verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Moses, my servant, is dead. God's a realist, right? He's telling Joshua, Moses is dead. See, we have a tendency to hang on to what's gone, to what's lost as a people. But when Moses died, there's nothing about God died. Nothing at all about God died. See, the people would have stayed there and they would have memorialized Moses. If God didn't tell Joshua, Moses is dead, move on. It's time for us to go. You're my man and we're going to go forward. Because as people, we tend to stay with what's familiar and what's safe. Because there's no risk involved in that. It's history. It's history. You know what's happened. And if you just keep repeating what's happened over and over and over again, there's no risk, there's no um, vision, and there's no prophecy in that at all. It's just, it's just dealing with what's familiar and what you know and is not necessarily following God. See, God's always on the move. He's always moving forward. He's always got a vision for going forward, and He's got a plan. And we're part of that plan. But the thing is, is, is we need to be moving and following the Lord. Look at verse, verse 5. Verse 5, 
No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. And Joshua was seeing everything that God did through Moses. The power that God used through Moses over years and years and years. He's, he's seen that. Now God's saying to him, I'll be with you. Just like I was with Moses. Now go and take the land. The second part of verse 5 says, I will, be, I, will never, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's an awesome promise. I will never leave you or forsake you. Great promise. And in this first chapter, there's four principles. There's three issues that I just mentioned. Then there's four principles that we're going to look at. And then afterward, we're going to look at what does that mean for us? What does that mean for us? So four principles. First principle is, based on this chapter here, that they, the Israelites, determined their direction of their future. They determined their direction of their future. Future. The first reason that these people were able to move forward together is because they had a clear plan, a clear direction. And from the time that they left Egypt, they were divided. Some said, you know, uh, we need to go back. Some said we need to get a new leader. Some said um, we're going to die in the wilderness. But others said we're going to the promised land. And God's going to give it to us. It was a mixed multitude. It was a mixed multitude. But when you get to Joshua, you don't have that. When you get to Joshua, they're together. They're moving forward in one simple directive to take the land. And the most important thing for us as a church is to move forward together. To move forward together in a God-given direction. God gave it to Joshua, and I believe God has given it to me. A few months ago, we talked about our vision and our mission of moving forward, and, and we had some scriptures, and last week I gave you four scriptures. If you're ever confused about the direction we're going in, just look at your Bible. And look at these four verses. I'm going to give them to you, so you can write them down. Matthew 24, 14. Matthew 24, 14. Acts 1, 8. Acts 1, 8. Luke 19, 10. Luke 19, 10. And Matthew 28, 19. Please pray for our future. And pray for your part in it. Look at verse 6. Be strong and courageous because I will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and courageous. And then you know, if you notice, he says that here after he gives Joshua the plan. He tells Joshua the plan, you're going to go into the land, you're going to take the land. And then he says, be strong and courageous. Well, why do you think he said that? He said that because he heard Joshua's knees knocking in fear. He heard Joshua's knees knocking in fear. God says, be strong and creation, courageous in verse 6. He says it in verse 7, in verse 9, and in verse 18. He says, be strong and courageous. And that's an interesting phrase. Because the word used for strong is, is strengthen your grip. Strengthen your grip in your forearms. And the word for courageous is defined as strengthen your legs. So it's this picture of a force coming against you. And you're strong and courageous against that force. 
And that's what they were together. They were strong and courageous, moving forward against the force coming against them in Canaan. And that's the way we are as a church. That's the way it should be for us as a church. It speaks of the whole body being stout and strong against the force moving against it. The second uh, principle that I see here is they accepted the challenge without fear of failure. Four times they were given the words, be strong and courageous. Courageous. And the beauty about the plan is that it had every element of failure wrapped up in it. If it wasn't for God, it had every element of failure. And those are the, the, the kind of plans where God gets the most glory when they seem to be the most impossible plans out there. Because they cannot succeed without God, without following God forward. Verse 10. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people... That's a first. Because he was so scared before, he didn't know what to do. And then God says, I'm going to be with you. This is what's going to happen. Be strong and courageous because I'm with you forever. I will not depart from you. And now he's got his courage. He's brave. And now he is leading this army. He's, He's ordering his officers. After hearing God's promises, he's motivated. Look at verse 11. Go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land. The Lord your God is giving you for your own. But to the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, remember the command that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you after he said... The Lord your God will give you rest by giving you this land. Your wives, your children, and your livestock may stay in the land that Moses gave you east of the Jordan, but all of your fighting men ready for battle must cross ahead of our fellow Israelites. You are to help them. So here he's saying, we'll do this for one another. We're going to go in and we're going to fight together. We'll do this for one another. We're going to fight together. In verse 15, until the Lord gives them rest as he has done for you and until they too have taken possession of the land, the Lord your God is giving them. After that, you may go back and occupy your own land, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you east of the Jordan toward the sunrise he said I want you to go into battle and I want you to help one another you're going to help one another and then once once we get this thing fought together then you can rest then you can rest they accepted the challenge without fear third principle is they forgot their differences and closed ranks in unity see they got they forgot the past and they rolled up their sleeves And they say, okay, we might have some differences, but we're going to move forward together as a mighty army of God. You see, we don't need to see eye to eye on everything. Just the absolutes. Just the absolutes. That's what we need to see eye to eye eye on. The absolutes. 
We need to join ranks and pull together if we're going to move forward as a church body. And we, and we can't be bickering with one another over little, little things, little picky things. See, if we do that, we're not going to grow deeper. There's, there's going to be walls and division amongst us. So let's grow deeper. And, and we're trying to facilitate, facilitate a, a way for us to do that. And right now, it's Tuesday evenings at Ruth's house. So if you haven't signed up, please sign up. Um, we've got the books ordered. There's books coming. Um, the fee is only f- to cover the cost of the books. That's all that's for. Um, Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. There's going to be fellowship. There's going to be some, some snacks, which we're all you know, going to pitch in and bring some stuff. And then we're going to do some study. And we're going to learn together. We're going to learn about each other. We're going to pray for one another. One another. This is, that's an interesting word. Did you know that there are over 40 one another commands? These aren't suggestions. These are commands in the New Testament. And they're listed here. I'll give these to you. And these are the reason we like to meet together. So that we can fulfill these commands. And I know our schedules are busy. That's why we've got to be structured. And, we, and we've got to schedule time to, to hang out and to be together. It's hard to do it on Sunday mornings. Because we're kind of coming in and we're, we're, uh, we're worshiping together, but then we kind of go our separate ways. So during the week, we need to come back together and we need to spend time together. That's what basic groups are all about. Basic groups are about growing deeper together and deeper in God. It's a discipleship program that strategically takes us through God's Word and teaches us what does it mean to be a disciple and how can I be ministering to others? And then how can I be discipling others? Verse 16. Then they answered Joshua, Whatever you have commanded us, we will do. And whatever you, wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey it, whatever you may command them will be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. The fourth principle is they abandon themselves completely to the plan with their eyes on the Lord. With their eyes on the Lord. They said to Joshua, we'll go wherever you say to go to. We will do whatever it is that you say to do. But make sure that you, Joshua, are walking with the Lord. Make sure that you are listening to the Lord. Well, follow your leadership, but you better be walking in the Lord. Be strong and courageous and let's go. Notice the words there. Whatever you've said and wherever you send us. What does this mean for us? What are the implications of this for my life based on these three issues and four principles? Well, here's the first one. First implication. For us to go on, we must pull together and grow deeper. So, my question for you to think of is where are you serving this fall at Valley Alliance? Uh, Nursery, children's, youth, making coffee, cleaning the church... Media, production, sound system, 
singing? What, what, is, what would the Lord have you do? See, because I said last, last time, two weeks ago, that, that this ship needs to sail without me. It needs to sail without me. It needs to sail without... It's not about one person. It's about the team pulling together. Everybody doing their part. We're a body of Christ. Everyone is important in the body of Christ. We all need to pull together and do our part. And then if something happens and I'm not here, it won't fall apart like it did before. If, if we're all ministering to each other, it won't fall apart like it did before. Now, I'm not saying you don't need a pastor because it's evident here that God is speaking through the leader. He's speaking through Joshua. He spoke through Moses. And, and if you think about these great um, movements and ministries in Christianity, you think about the, the uh, Reformation, you, you don't think about the countries involved. You think about the man who is leading that, Martin Luther. When you think about focus on the family, you don't think about necessarily all of the, the ministries that they do. You think about their leader, uh, uh, Dr. Dobson. So God has always used leaders, has always worked through leaders to give the vision and to pull the people together and to help people move forward towards God's calling. So I'm not saying you don't need a pastor, but what I'm saying is that we need to function as a body. Everybody doing their part. As a team, everybody pulling their own weight taking care of each other. That's, that's what we need to do. So the whole thing doesn't fall apart. So to grow deeper, basic groups, to pull together, working together in this ministry. The second implication is I must be willing to reach out and risk relating. Reach out and risk relating. But what does that mean? Well, the third implication defines that, the second one there. The third implication is I must be willing to adapt my life for the sake of others. I must be willing to adapt my life for the sake of others. And that's hard. That is hard. That is something that I don't always want to do. I don't always want to do that. And I know if I don't always want to do it, I'm sure you feel that way too. It's something that's like, you know, do I want to give up my private time? Do I want to give up, sacrifice my fun time, my time with my family? And I'm not saying you've got to sacrifice all that time. That's not what I'm saying. Just some of it. Just, just some of it. You could still have your fun time. You could still do things and relax and all that. But we must pull together. We need to go forward together. We have to go together forward. We're just people who need each other. And we're learning and climbing through life together. And we really need each other. I know that I need you. All right, I'm going to close. I just want to pray. Father, Lord, I thank you. I thank you that you've brought us all here. Lord, and I, and I thank you that you've shared with us today the, the definition of assimilation and what it means to assimilate into the congregation. Father, help us to relate to each other. Help us to grow deeper. Help us to, to figure out a way to adapt our lives for each other. Help us to be in unity together, moving forward for one purpose, 
to glorify you so that all people in this community could know who you are. Father, I pray that you will fill each and every one of us with your love so it overflows out of us and into other people. Lord, I thank you for the privilege of leading this church and I just pray that you continue to work in me and through me. I pray, Father, for those here to, to be encouraged to, to work together, to meet together, to relate together, to invite people to, into their lives. And I ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Now we're going to stand and we're going to worship. So stand for our last song. What's that? There's no sound. I, I don't. I don't know. Will praise through the darkness flee.